Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Saturday. I am sitting inside of a classroom on the USC campus with our buddy, our pal, Coach Harvey Hyde. Follow him on Twitter, at Coach Harvey Hyde. This is kind of like a post-scrimmage podcast, we felt. Let's not wait till Monday. We just saw the scrimmage out at USC. It was full tackling. Why don't we jump right in and do a podcast right away? And Coach Harvey Hyde was nice enough to do it with me. What's up, Coach? Ryan, a beautiful day, and I'm back in the classroom. Yeah. It's been a long time. Any minute, the professor's going to come out and teach us something about chemistry. It looks like a chemistry uh, lecture or something, uh, but uh, I'm glad to be here. We saw a great practice, about 70 plays, and I'm looking forward to discussing it with you. Yeah, so if you want to get a hold of us on the podcast, podcast at uscfootball.com is our email address. You can go to our website, peristylepodcast.com, and there's lots of information there about how to get a hold of us. We're on iTunes and Stitcher Radio and... Uh, tune in radio and Google Play and all that kind of stuff. And so it's a little bit different show. It might sound a little different because I'm recording it actually with my phone and a couple of microphones, but we're sitting in a classroom. Like Coach said, it does look like some sort of chemistry classroom. There's periodic table of the elements on there. Um, so it kind of brings you back a little bit, a few years. But we just walked off the practice field. We got to see uh, a, a full scrimmage, full tackling, about 70 plays, according to Clay Helton. And we had a different view, Coach, where normally – we walk into the practice field, we go to the left, and we're kind of stuck in that corner. They put us on the opposite corner, but it was actually kind of nice because we got a different perspective than what we normally see at practice. Ryan, I agree with you. I, I really do. It was nice. At first, I wondered where we were going because I walked <laughs> in with you. But the location, I thought, was perfect. It was a perfect angle at the field. You were able to see the linemen and, and their techniques and what was going on. And when they were coming towards us, we got to see a lot of secondary play. It's really a better seat than just standing right on the 50-yard line. And then we had a, class, a chance to watch the offensive line up close and watch their drills and watch them go through techniques and so on, which I thought was fantastic. Yeah. In fact, Ryan, I told Tim Tesson, I told him, uh, I'd rather be here, yeah. you heard me in front of Clay Helton, I'd rather be here than down where we were. Yeah. Maybe they'll do this. I don't know. It would be nice. Um, I, I didn't want to tell them we liked it because then they thought they might not, not let us go back there. Like, oh, they like it? If they thought it was a punishment, maybe they'd keep us over there. Yeah, but it was they, good. We, I got to take some photos. You got to see kind of running back drills up close when we first got in there. Um, the, the, the offensive linemen do so much work in that far back corner, and we were right next to them. So you could hear uh, you know, Neil Calloway you know, barking out orders and instructions. And, you know, it, you got to see it's kind of a – it's not the deepest offensive line right now. There's a bunch of guys out, but we did get to see them up close. You know, uh, since you brought up the offensive line, I do have a comment. I looked at them, and they look like offensive linemen. There's not any real pussy guys. I call them pussy guys. Okay. It's overweight guys. They look like they're all football players. Yeah. And it reminds me of the Southeastern Conference when you go down and watch their spring practice or practices. When you look at the offensive line, there isn't one player that stands out. They all stand out. You have to look at your roster to see <laughs> what that guy's name and who's that guy's name and who's 79, which is Boris, which I was very impressed with as far as a freshman kid. And it looked like there was a group of, of, of linemen 
who look like football players. And yeah. that's very important that you can look like a football player. And they're very serious under Callaway, the way they work. We've never been able to see this before. Right. There's no standing around. They move. They do a lot of reps and so on. They rotate the lines. And I really liked it. I really liked the opportunity of getting up close. And ladies and gentlemen, we were as close as being in the huddle with them. <laughs> that was wonderful. Yeah. It really was wonderful to be able. Because now we can give you a clear accounting of what we saw. Yeah. Well, people ask, like, hey, how's Fra Frank Martin looked and like I don't know like he's so far away you can't right. really see but we got to see him work at guard a little bit uh, when Cole Smith uh, dinged his knee we got to see him work at center you know there's no Nico Fala he wasn't out there Tolobadon's kind of doing some stuff on the side he's not in pads or anything so you get to see some of these guys where uh, you know Chuma Doga playing left tackle Roy Hemsley you mentioned uh, Voorhees like he's out there um, so you get, to, you get to see these guys up close, at least get a better feel for what's going on. I agree with you 100%. In fact, Lobodon looks better as far as what I thought as far as his rehab. When you're doing the drills that the trainer had him going through, as far as jumping on one knee and the other knee and doing some of these drills, those are very difficult to do when you're healthy. Yeah. And he was doing those. I think they're just keeping him out of the rotation to make sure he didn't have to prove anything, okay? <laughs> and bring him back and stick him maybe at that left guard spot, and then they'll have a great five up front. But again, Hensley has to come through, and Chuma has to come through, and a lot of these younger players have to come through, but they've got something to choose from, and it makes competition. And when you have competition, you become a better football team, and that's what we see out there. Yeah, uh, practice number six, it definitely looks like they've improved and it's a better football team. Maybe we'll start with the offensive side of the football. Uh, Clay Hilton talked about them trying to find you know, their identity. Really, the identity of this team is like a, it's a Sam Darnold sort of team. you got Ronald Jones you know, back there, but it seems like it's Sam Darnold's team. So many wide receivers have moved on. We saw Deontay Burnett was in a yellow jersey today. So he didn't really, he's supposed to be the main guy. I didn't see much of him. Uh, same thing with uh, Daniel Metorbebe. Uh, but what did you see on the offensive side of the ball as far as the skill position goes? Well, you know, they have players. They, and I've said this before, and I'll say it again. It's a shame that they lost both the J.C. kids. Yeah. Hamptons, and he, believe me, they are players. They're both 6'3", six, 6'4". Six, they look great at the pro day. Oh, pro day, absolutely fantastic. And to lose them on 17 completions or 10 completions or something like that, they would have brought a lot of experience to this young group of receivers, but the receivers are talented. Yeah. It's just like you said, getting their identity and getting the right combination that works. And right now they're going through that with Jones and all these other kids rotating around, Pittman, Jones, and, and so on. And they're going against a pretty good defense. They're going against a pretty good secondary, yeah. which makes it better for them. If they were going against the secondary that wasn't any good, how do you get any better? Yeah. <laughs> so they're going against an experienced type of secondary with Marshall and Tell and Hawkins and some of these young players that are out there. So they're going to be better. They have to go against somebody that's good. And when you go against somebody that's good, then you're going to stand out when you make a play. You just don't make a play because the other person is inferior of you. So yeah. I like what's going on out there in the passing game. The, uh, in the run game, uh, I think Ronald Jones had a really great touchdown run right in front of us, which was impressive. But we got to see a lot of uh, the kid from Hawaii, Mal, uh, Malapai, I mean, Levi Malapai. Or Malapai, yeah, yeah, Malapai, I can say yeah. that one. You can say that one, Malapai, uh -huh. yeah. So uh, we got to see a lot of him running the ball, like tough running today. It was, and it's good to see different people have their moment. 
because you've got to take advantage of the moment when you're in there and you're getting reps and so on. And he took advantage of the moment. Even Clay Helton said that. So when you have the opportunity to carry the football or block on pass blocking, you've got to jump off the screen where people say, who was that? Yeah. I heard all of us in the media area saying, what number was that? Was that 29 or 20 or whatever number it was? Well, that means you're doing something right. Yeah. So it's very important that when you have that moment or that opportunity that you seize that moment and you make something happen. I think he did. Uh, it was pretty impressive. There was a couple, there was some penalties and some turnovers, I think, that Clay Helton talked about afterwards. It, one of the things that you're just trying to address in the spring. Well, obviously it's going to happen, but it's the first time you hit. Yeah. So you're not used to getting hit. That's why it's going to be harder to be a great football team the early part of the season. But everybody's going through the same rules and regulations of how many days you can hit, yeah. three times. So when you don't get hit, then you're not used to having the ball stripped and you're not used to being hit on the move and, and all of these different things. So you're going to have turnovers. That's just part of it. And having officials out there are absolutely fantastic. You should have them at every practice. In the one area, uh, you always have the officials making call in the secondary, passing interference and all. You've got to have an umpire in there watching your offensive line. Because I was watching it closely, and you know, if there's a hole in every play. You don't call a hole in every play. But if a young kid, and you don't call the penalty. Yeah. But you go over to him and you say, you know, I would have maybe had to call that in the game now, son. So don't wrap around that like that. But you learn from that. When an official tells you something, it's a little bit different than when a coach tells you Oh, something. interesting, yeah. So, and you don't call him necessarily, but you let the kid know he's being watched. Okay. And when you're being watched, and you subconsciously put that in your mind the next time you block. Yeah, if no one says anything and you, you hook a guy or whatever and you can just do it the next play, right. and you're not getting better because you can't really do that in a game. Mm -hmm. um, on the defensive side of the ball, Clay Alton was really impressed. I think the first defense played great. It was really tough sledding for Sam Darnold in the first offense when they went against him. But it was a really aggressive defense. They forced some turnovers. Um, you get to see some of the young guys come in and play well. What, what did you think about the defensive effort? Well, I like the defensive effort. As we talked earlier, the defense is always ahead of the offense. You know, people say, oh, the offense is not doing well. It's on. Hey, the defense, you just fly around, okay? <laughs> if you make a play, even if you did the wrong thing, you made the right play, but you made the tackle, you knocked the pass down, right? right? You don't even know if you're in the right position. You just made the play, and everybody goes, ooh and ah. I was standing there in the end zone on one touchdown play, and everybody went, ooh, and it's like they're all cheering for the offense. Yeah. Hey, get the defense ooh, once in a while when they make a great play. But the defense is the key to your team because they create the opportunities for the offense as far as going into the game on field position and so on. So I'm glad to see the defense. I'm glad to see the defense being aggressive and good because it makes your offense better. It's not going to be an easy challenge to go out there and drive down the field when you play against a team like this and you become a better blocker, a better receiver, a better quarterback. All parts of the offense become better, but your defense is good. Yeah. So you can't look down and say, hey, well, they didn't do very good offensively today. you got to look at it and say, we're pretty good defensively. Now let's keep working on the offensive side of the football so it becomes equal. Yeah, makes sense. Uh, one of the first plays of the scrimmage, uh, I, I don't know which wide receiver got their hands on the ball from Sam Darnold. It was one of the first plays. Went through, kind of went through the wide receiver's hands. I think... Marvell Tell got a hand on it, too, but then Yuchen and Wusu claimed he got the pick. Now, Clay Hilton said they got to go back and do the review, but they gave him the benefit of the doubt, which was a good way to start off. And then uh, one of the hot players that everyone's talking about, who redshirted last year, Jamel Cook, the big you know, 6'4 safety. Uh, he's playing nickel now out of, out of Miami. Uh, he had a nice interception, too, and a couple good hits. 
Um, what, about, what about those guys? What'd oh, I really like him. I really do. Jamal Cook, we've talked about him all the time, even redshirting last year. We even discussed it when they uh, signed him, uh, yeah. how that all came about against Florida State when they beat Florida State on the last day. He's, 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 every, he's everything I thought he was going to be. We, we said that. He's got great height. He's got range. He's got speed. He loves the game of football. Yeah. He says it. You wrote about it even in, I think, in the war room this week. You wrote about how the guy talks about football. He, he, he's happy when he's on the football field. <laughs> he, he, he feels better hitting somebody than, than intercepting a pass. Yeah. Well, that's a football player, man. Yeah. He's playing the secondary, but he wants to be in the whole game. He just doesn't want to get interceptions. He wants to hit people, too. And he does a good job at that. Yeah, he certainly does. Uh, it's, it's, it's fun. It's fun to watch this defense because there's so much. I mean, like we said, the identity of this team is pretty much Sam Darnold. But right now, I think a second year, we talked to some players about this, a second year under Clancy Pendergast where they'll have a little bit of consistency. Um, it, it's just they've, they've switched defenses so much. And it took a while. I think it took these guys a while to learn it. They felt good by the end of the year, and now it's like year two. You got another camp, you know, spring camp and fall camp, and moving into it. I just think it's going to help this defense a lot because they know what to expect. And the older guys now can kind of teach some of the younger guys, as opposed to everyone's just learning, you know, flat out. They're going to teach a lot off the tape. They really are. Because I was watching the younger group, the second units, and some of the third guys playing. They don't finish the play. If you know what I'm saying, uh, you're rushing the passer, and you see you're not going to get the passer, so you stop rushing. Now you can't do that. But you don't know if the secondary is covering so well that eventually he's going to be flushed out to you. So you've got to finish the play. So young players are going to be taught when they go into the film and look at the film today. Hey, finish the play. Yeah. If the play goes away from you, chase in a pursuit angle where it might, you might be the guy making the tackle. So I watch a lot of young players. I'm not going to point out their names and so on, but they're young. And they're trying to learn how to play. So I think that's the biggest learning thing you can do during the spring is finish the play. Finish the play. And a lot of kids, it takes a while for them to understand that. Gotcha. Uh, well, we're going to get to some questions, but with, I know you have a lot of notes written on your, your envelope there, which is great. That's a great notepad. Um, anything stand out you want to like mention before we jump into some questions? Well, what I've seen since the last time I've been here, I think Matt Fink has improved. Okay. I, I really think he's improving. Um, uh, I'm impressed with the way through the ball today and he was he was taking some leadership and moving around you could see him sort of separate a little bit I really did like that I really like that as far as uh, Jack Sears I thought he's he's coming along and he's learning a lot as far as the speed of the game yeah what I mean by that he used to be able to run away from people and run the option and then when the when he was flushed out of the pocket he'd be able to run for 50 yards hey there are a lot of fast guys out there so you don't get those type of plays and he's learning that as he goes along as far as the uh, offensive line, I like them. I like the way they're being coached. Uh, I think they'll be a good football team. They're young in some spots, and they're, they're, they're seniors in some spots. So it's a good combination. Yeah. So the uh, seniors could better bring the younger guys along and, and make themselves believe and be a unit of five guys. And I think what will eventually happen, Lobodon will step in there. Not the Chris Brown isn't doing a good job. I'm not saying that. But he's just a guy. You know, he's been around, and he's ready to finish at the le- uh, be at that left guard. Yeah. Then you have a complete offensive line in there. Now that means Hensley has to come through. Yeah. And, and uh, remember, Boris is really looking good over there, too, so let's don't count him out. He's going to push Hensley to be a better football player. Yeah. He's going to push it. Or he's looking, I mean, he doesn't look like he should be in high school oh, right now. Oh, no. So that makes you a better football team. Then on the other side, you've got Chuma, and uh, he'll, he is a, he's a real football player. And uh, behind him, you've got Clayton Johnson. Yeah. 
who is getting a lot of reps this spring. And uh, I liked him today as far as growing up. He's a big body growing into it. Yeah. So when you're big, it takes you longer to grow into that body, <laughs> you know. And uh, the receivers, uh, they, they had a so-so day. Yeah. The defense was, I wouldn't say they had a great day, but they had a so-so day. And the defensive side of the football, they, they play at a steady pace and played. Nobody really, I don't think, really stood out as far as, oh, my goodness, this guy really is dominating. But I think that it was a just good average football game. Good morning scrimmage for the for the today, the first scrimmage. Yeah. I, I just liked it today because people were aggressive. But, again, they have to learn how to carry a uniform. They have to learn to catch the ball with pressure. they got to learn to play at the speed of the game. And that's what they learned today. I think they did. It was, it was efficient. It wasn't overly long. They ran so many plays. You mentioned the quarterbacks. It's funny. So I think Fink is clearly the number two guy right now. Sears, I, I just think it's going to take a little while. I, I don't see him, you know, jumping ahead of Fink at this point, maybe in the fall. But the, what you notice, Coach, is, at least for me, when you had different kinds of quarterbacks on the roster, it was, but now it's the same. So you, you see scrambling out of the pocket from Fink and from Sears and, of course, from Darnold. They kind of look – they're trying to, like, mimic, like, what Sam Darnold does, but they're, their skill set's similar. And so I think the offense is more consistent where, like, maybe last year they were trying to run this kind of offense with, like, a Max Brown who that's not really – you know, in his skill set. These quarterbacks, they kind of match the skill set of what they're trying to do. They really do. And I think, was it Thomas that threw that nice touchdown pass? One of the quarterbacks. I, oh, one of the walk-on guys, was, yeah. Yeah, really threw a nice touchdown pass in the corner. I, can't I didn't remember. notice who it was. I, but yeah. I can't remember who it was, but he put the ball right over the heads of everybody, and that was a, a nice play. So, yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. Now, one thing, and you wrote it in your column, and I didn't hear anybody say this, the secondary is building pride with the nickname themselves, Okay. The, the no-fly zone. Yeah. I mean, when you start to name those type of things with your groups, there's so much pride in that when you say, hey, guys, remember this no-fly zone. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I think that's great. I love those type of things. It's unity with the secondary. Yeah. And eventually the receivers will come up with a name of who they are, you know. And uh, I just like those type of things happening. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's go. Let's our talk about the scrimmage. Let's, talk, uh, let's jump into some questions. Hey, Ryan, this is the Cattleman giving you a holler from Knoxville, Tennessee. Uh, been listening to the podcast, stumbled into it last football season. You guys kill it, as you say, out there on the left coast. Love Coach Hyde. Uh, Dan does a great job. Love him, too. And even the shotgun was pretty good on the basketball. Hey, man, I got two questions for you. Number one, um, hindsight being 2020, uh, USC season, great and all that, but I do think Clay Helton – blew the quarterback situation last year. I understand not sh- uh, throwing Darnold to the Wolves against Alabama. He might have left in a body bag. But why didn't Darnold start the Stanford game? Um, so uh, for all the plaudits, I, you know, in it, this guy looked at both those quarterbacks all spring, all fall, and somehow I think he was a little late getting to Darnold. That's my personal opinion. But why I'm really calling you is um, I'm probably the only person in the volunteer state that loves Lane Kiffin. And, um, by the way, as you know, Kiffin hired uh, Clay Helton, hired T. Martin, and um, just kind of – I think he got a very raw deal out there at USC, 65 scholarships. You guys were wanting to go 10-2, and two, and that's impossible. They didn't, say they didn't put you on probation to go to Rose Bowls. And um, I, think, I think Kiffin's a hell of a coach. I think he got screwed out there at USC. Pat Hayden's a nut, in my opinion. And with the UCLA job apparently possibly coming open – uh, I know it's a toxic thing to talk about, but what would you boys think if uh, Kiffin showed up in uh, Westwood? 
and just overall, please give me another uh, shot at especially what Coach Hyde thinks about Coach Kiff and, and whether that's a – I mean, right now uh, Clay Hilton's on top of the world, but I think uh, in the long haul Lane Kiffin's a better coach. And I love the podcast. Listen to it. You guys do a great job, and thanks for the entertainment. All right, so some interesting questions from uh, Cattleman, I think he said his name was, down in Tennessee, where my wife's from. But wants to know about Helton blowing the quarterback situation, and he really likes Lane Kiffin. Well, I'll I tell you, on, on, let's talk about USC last year and the quarterback situation first and answer that. Uh, first of all, USC wasn't ready to play Alabama, okay? They weren't mentally ready. They weren't physically ready. They didn't know what they were walking into. And I'm talking about the coaches and everybody. And they walked into a buzzsaw, Okay. Uh, maybe at the end of the year, it had been a great game. I, I can't say that, but they weren't ready for the first game of the year. They went down there, and we talked about it on the podcast, and I, I don't think uh, we tell people the way we, we feel, and they were embarrassed. The whole university was embarrassed on the performance, and, and they came home, and they said, wow. But that's the number one team in the country, and you weren't ready to play the number one team in the country. First of all, you had new coaching staffs, uh, new starter uh, all these things that were going on, and you make this trip down to a special game in Arlington, which was a home game for Alabama. Yeah. But USC did show up strong, and I don't know if that's good or bad, because a lot of people saw them the way they didn't like them. <laughs> so they embarrassed themselves, and they weren't ready to play. Now, I thought, and uh, I knew that Sam Donald had a good fall camp. We talked about it. But uh, Brown had been around a while, and he had more experience. And uh, I'm going to be honest with you, I, I thought he should have started that game because of his experience and knowing what he's supposed to do. But it didn't work out. And then the second game, it didn't work out. Then the third game, they made a switch. Now, remember, uh, Clay Helton took a chance making that switch. Because yeah. if it hadn't worked, then it would have gone the other way. He didn't give him a chance. He was just getting better. He had two games experience. Could have gone the other way. But he played really well at Salt Lake City, okay? They should have won that football game, okay? But they didn't. Yeah. Then all of a sudden, he came along and united the offense. And the defense saw uh, something, too. Hey, we could be special here. And they started playing well. And they started winning. They won nine in a row. And all of a sudden, uh, we're going to the Rose Bowl. And all of a sudden, it became a football team. And they had confidence in themselves. And they had a, uh, an identity of who they were, which they've been waiting to find out for years. Who are we here yeah. at USC? The play calling got better when it wasn't really good at the first part of the year. I was back to that same old thing. What are we, what are we running at USC? But it was T. Martin's first year. And a lot of the coaches, it was Callaway's first year. It was a lot in Clay Elton's first year. But after the dust settled... It started to be the type of football team USC boosters and kids want to be and why they come to USC. So it's gone now to a point where they had a great recruiting year. And uh, we see some of that right now and some of the freshmen that are out there playing right now that came in early. Outstanding talent. And it looks like they should have a good year next year. Of course, you have to play every game at a time. And one thing you can't allow happen is let someone beat you that you're not supposed to lose to. Yeah. That's the whole thing now that USC's problem is going to be. Last year is not going to help you this year. No. So they've got to remember that in going into every single game that everybody wants to beat you. And you can't build up all this, and I know the media is talking about it, that, oh, they don't have a bye. So what? 
get on the roll and you don't want to buy. Yeah. You get your season over week, a week earlier and you, and you move into the, the, the Pac-12 championship game. So people quit writing about it and talking about it. It makes no difference, but that's what the schedule is. So why talk about it? Yeah. Just get up and play it and be ready to play, okay? All right. So that answers that question. As far as Lane Kiffin is concerned, yeah. sorry, I'm going to do the whole show on this guy's that's, question. That's fine. That's okay. But I thought Lane Kiffin, <laughs> I thought everybody got screwed at USC with the NCAA penalties, okay? Sure. You've heard me holler about this the whole time. I thought it was BS, excuse me, the way... I think the university even handled it. I was very critical that they should have fought it and, and gone back and said, wait a minute, look what these other schools have done and what have you done to them? Well, I mean, uh, three years of this, this type of no bowl game, give the Heisman Trophy back, kick guys off campus, they can't come to practice. What are you talking about? Please. So I'm not just critical about the NCAA. I'm a critical also of the way that USC probably handled it, okay? Yeah. I thought they should have stood up for the athletic department, who they are and what their identity is. Hey, really, guys, don't you have anything else to do back there? So that's that part of it. So I think I didn't like the way Lane Kiffin was fired. I thought it was done very, very poorly in an airport like that. You don't, you don't do that to people, okay? He has a family. He has people. You can ha you have the right to hire and fire people, but it's how you do it. Yeah. And I thought that was done uh, in a poor way. I don't know. I don't think Lane Kiffin's going to end up in Westwood, though, Cattleman. But you know, who knows? He's, I don't. I don't know. I didn't know Jim Moore was leaving. I, I don't think he is. And we'll see. They'll have Josh Rosen back. So if uh, I mean, if they have a poor year, and then maybe something happens. But who knows? Well, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Um, okay. We have a question from Tarek. He said, is size sometimes overemphasized, especially on the offensive and defensive lines? Yeah, I do. I really think that. Uh, I think you can be too big. Too big where you don't have the mobility that you need to to play on the offensive line, especially if you're an offensive tackle. But the quickest guy that's on the defense is the defensive ends. Yeah. They're going to put pressure off the edge. And if you can't get out of your stance and block that guy, you're not going to do us any good. And another thing you're so big that the quarterback can't see over your head <laughs> to throw a pass and out route or some route to, you know, to a receiver. So there's such a thing as being too big, and there's such a thing as being too big of an of offensive guard. I was talking about today. I'm not going to pick out any individuals. But when you have to pull a lot and do the crossover step to leave the lead up a hole or lead on the outside sweep and so on, the taller you are, the farther you are from the ground as far as pulling out and getting the momentum to get around the corner. So 6'2", 6'3", is probably the ideal height for an offensive guard. But when you start going 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, it's harder for him to get the momentum when you throw your arm to get around and pull and be in front of the play, not behind the play. Gotcha. And what happens sometimes is even if you're even with the play, you're in the way of the running back. Makes sense. Um, yeah, so a guy like Zach Banner... I wonder if Sam Darnold has a hard time seeing over. Well, well, he, he did. No, yeah. I mean, I'm being honest with you. He did. He's a big, that's a, the biggest guy around. Yes, six it is. Nine. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with him in the NFL draft. Damian Mama is obviously a bigger guy. Uh, it's going to be a, a leaner offensive line this year. So They look we'll like see. football players. Yeah. You know, didn't I say this earlier that when I watched the drill today, they look like the Southeastern Conference? Did I tell you that? Yeah. They do. You've got guys that all look like football players. We got one last one for you, Coach, and we'll end our chemistry room podcast, um, chemistry classroom. Reggie in Seattle, he said, you guys talk a lot about positions that USC players play. 
I was wondering if you could spend a little time next time coach is on and have them break down the responsibilities of the defensive positions, like the Mike linebacker versus the Will, uh, middle, uh, the Will linebacker, and what their chief responsibilities are on the USC defense, the one they run. I know it's different for each defense, but great job. Fight on, Reggie in Seattle. So I don't know if there's any spots you want to maybe talk about a little bit or how you want to address this one. No, there's a difference. Because normally your Mike linebacker plays at a strong side, okay? Normally he's a, the kid that's a, a, a strong side, blast guy, power guy, maybe not uh, as quick as, uh, as far as being a cover guy, yet you still have to cover. Your will linebacker sometimes follows the play, has a lot of contain, has to pick up a back down the sideline, do some different things too. And, uh, he's on the side that coverage. the tight end's not there. That's right. right. Yeah. That's right. So uh, the will guy is, is normally your quicker guy that runs faster okay. and uh, can 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 move. That's why you see, if you ever watch how they switch sides at the last minute, they say they've switched sides to both sides, and they do that with the defensive guards too. They'll switch sides in the guards because one's the better plug guy than the other guy. Okay. So, so the Mike linebacker is more of a physical type of linebacker. The will linebacker, you want him to still be physical, but he can run better. He can cover better. Uh, he can blitz better. All the things that he's got to do a little bit of everything. Yeah. And it's, uh, I'm not going to say he's more, he has to be more athletic, but he's got to be able to do more things than a Mike linebacker really being a stud. It's interesting because uh, Cameron Smith, um, he started off as a Mike linebacker his freshman year last year. They moved into the will. And uh, they had Michael Hutchins playing the middle. And now um, he's moved back. Cameron Smith's back in the middle playing Mike. And like they have like a John Houston coming in and is learning uh, the will spot. So they're kind of, you know, it's kind of interesting this, the way that's done. But, I mean, these guys can play multiple positions, but, you know, they're trying to specialize. And I also agree that your best linebacker, physical guy, should be in the middle. Okay. Because you know why? They can't run away from you. You can go either way. So when you play one side, like Sewer did, remember Craven, I used to always say, why play him one side? Because that's your best defensive player. Half the plays go away from your best defensive player. When you put your best defensive player in the middle, now that defensive player has a chance to be in every play. Okay. So that's that's where you do that. Interesting. Yeah, so that, I think Cameron Smith talked to him. He he really liked it. I talked to him Thursday, I guess, and uh seems to really like the move. Um, oh yeah, you like get more tackles. You really do. You get in it more. He's gonna be, he's gonna be in it more. But you know, he he has to be more of a vocal leader. I think because Michael Hutchins was really good at that. He's kind of like a coach on the field. Um, I think that's another aspect of the Mike linebacker. He's making a lot of those calls. Yeah, he will. He's the experienced linebacker. He's been out there, and I think Houston's gonna do a great job. And I'm, I'm glad to see him on the field. I really am because he came in as a great football player. Yeah. And uh, they moved him inside. I think it's great because he, he deserves to be on the field. you got to have your athletes. How many times have we talked about what good does players do on the sideline? <laughs> huh? You remember? I th- Nothing. Yeah. They, gotta get they can jump play. up and down and wave a towel. Uh, yeah. No, no, no. Don't get back to that. Okay, the towel waving. Please, okay? Don't, because I'm just recovering from that. Okay? Uh, after seeing my therapist and dreaming about that, you know. But, no, you, you want to see players on the field. Get your players on the field so you're a better football team. All right. Well, that is Coach Harvey Hyde, and uh, we are in some chemistry classroom. I don't know, but I learned I, a lot in here. Yeah, there's a reading the periodic table. Uh, great stuff. I forgot to mention our sponsor at the top of the show because it's been a little bit different, Southern California Tickets. Certainly, if you need tickets, the Lakers just won a game. 
You want to go see the Lakers? You want to see the Clippers? I'm going to NASCAR this weekend, Coach. Are you going to NASCAR? I'm going to NASCAR, yeah. I did that. Yeah, I did that a couple I've years ago. I've never gone to one. Hey, so. you'll like Did you get credentials? Uh, no, we, we have oh, tickets. Yeah. I wish you had credentials, but you can sit up in the press box oh. and you see the whole thing. Might not be too late for you. I'll check it out. Right. You, but if huh? you need tickets, you can go to Southern California you Tickets. You can, you can. SCTickets.com or call them at 1-800-888-7287. They can hook you up with NASCAR tickets. It's, it's local here. It is. It's really a great day. If you haven't been to a NASCAR race, uh, I, I not only just watch the race, I watch the people. Okay. You know, you know, the way they have not groupies, but these each driver is a star. Yeah. And they have people that follow them around because you could get in the pits. I was able to get in the pits and follow them around and so on. In fact, when I was there, uh, Kurt Busch, of course, is from Las Vegas, and Kyle Busch and, and uh, Brendan Gaughan. So I yelled at him. Huh? Yeah, he won the Daytona 500. A couple yeah, of I ago. yelled at him. I said, come over here. And he didn't know who I was. I came over and said, Harvey Hyde, do you remember? Coach, he says, we used to go to your game. We used to go to your game. I said, you know, you could have played for me. He says, why is that? Because you drive like the guys that wanted to play for me. <laughs> you don't get out of the way of anybody. And uh, we laughed and so on, and he went on his way. That is great. All right, well, check it out. You can go to SCTickets.com. I'm actually going to the pantry. Just theater tonight too. I think we're seeing an American in Paris or something like good that. Good for you. My wife taking my wife to that one, so it should be good. But yeah, you can do all that on SCTickets.com. Good, yeah, whatever you want. All right. Every well, thanks so much, Coach. I thank you very it. much, and thank you for all of our listeners out there to make this show happen. Yeah, thank you, everyone. I hope you guys enjoyed this little different uh, Peristyle podcast over the weekend. Hope you guys enjoyed the show, and we will talk to you next time. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287, 1-800-888-7287, that's 1-800-888-7287, or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.